Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How difficult was it to make the decision to return? Well, as you might imagine, first of all, I'm not 30 years old. And so each year, you're not only getting older, uh, you begin to suspect yourself. I'm sure, if you could even think of my name as a major league player, but I'm sure after a while, as the player gets older, let's say he's a center fielder, and he's saying, I'm sorry, I don't quite get the jump that I used to get. I'm not quite as sharp as I used to be. And maybe he knows he's a little later on that fastball than the ball he used to be able to pull at 95. Um, so as a human being, I look at myself and I say, my gosh, you know, you're, you're doing the best you can. What's that old joke about I'm still throwing as hard as ever? It's just taking longer to get there. Uh, well, that's, that's basically where I am. Um, I, I'm trying very hard for one more year, and uh, God willing, it will come about. Welcome to the seventh inning stretch podcast brought to you by the AI channel. Major League Baseball season is very long. There are ups, there are downs. No person has lived those more this week than my co-host Armando Angulo. And Armando, I want to ask you about the most important question to happen to the Dodgers this week. How do you feel about Vin Scully's return for his 67th season? Oh, man. Thank God. I was having a heart attack. I was about to be like, don't make me talk about the no-hitter. Oh, uh, I, w- I will. <laughs> no, man, absolutely. I am. I feel honored. I feel very lucky to be able to listen to Vince Scully for as many years as I have, and actually just my whole life. And it's been fantastic, and, and, and to do it again next year is going to be fun. we got to get him a ring, though, before it's all said and done, because uh, he deserves it, and he's put that kind of effort into us, and we, we should do the same for him and, and send him out that way, I believe. Yeah, so you've had an interesting week. Uh, I think that's putting it lightly. Let's talk about the good. Let's talk about the not-so-good. Not-so-good first, please. Okay. I watched on Sunday night. You guys went up against a guy at the top of his game. How, how did that feel to happen twice in a week? Uh, you know, it, it's freakish. It, it doesn't happen like that. You know, you get no hit once a year, once two years, three years sometimes. You know, it goes a long time, and to happen twice within the span of nine days is pretty intense and pretty crazy. You know, it'd be more devastating if we weren't in this race and we weren't competing, but it's like just total fluke games, it seems like. I mean, in, in both the no-hitters, we, we hit the ball hard a few times and should have gotten hits. Even I mean, in the Cubs game, there was a questionable call at second base that went in as, as an error, and, 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 and that's fine. I, don't, I mean, good for Jake Arrieta. He deserves that. He pissed his balls off, and he's, he's an absolute stud, dude. So that's fine, but it's just more freakish than anything. I'm just happy that we've been able to bounce back and, and been able to you know, show some grit, show some fight, and, and you know, give ourselves a little bit of a gap with those Giants. So that play at second base, obviously, you know, you can appeal things. Do you, if you're the, uh, if you're Mattingly, are you going to appeal that call, or are you just going to let Arietta have it? He has it, man. That's baseball. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It's it's totally he deserved it. it, it, it there's 
there's no reason to do anything like that. He absolutely deserved it, and and usually it would be the Cubs making that kind of uh that kind of call and, and to get that overturned so early in the game with the with the scorekeeper. You know, it's the first inning so early in the game. You you you're not you don't want your guy to get an error, so you make that call usually, and it's just funny that it didn't turn out that way. So so let's move on to the better. Obviously, taking two out of three from the Cubs over the weekend, really really good showing against a good team. But now also, you know, coming into the night of recording, taking two straight from the Dodgers, including what was, I mean, from the Giants, including what was a great game between Granke and Bumgarner last night. That lived up to the hype. Oh, yeah, man. The, the first, the marathon game the night before, 14 innings in Agon comes through clutch. And then last night, uh, you know, it was such a good pitching duel. And the intensity on the, between Granke and Bumgarner was, you can feel it. It was electric, man. And, and, and even you know, both pitchers had gotten into the game not allowing a hit to a pitcher all year type thing, and that was something that was a talking point on TV. And and uh, Greeky came close, almost doubled down the line. Matt Duffy, you know, robbed robbed him of that double that would have been an RBI and gave us the lead early. But you know, as a Dodgers fan this season, you're confident once Greeky gets you one that it's that it's going to be enough because because he's just he's been dominant. Him and Kershaw have been studs, and and there's no reason to believe otherwise. So. You know, tonight's the rubber match, and it'll be good to see. Hopefully, we could sweep and take that momentum going forward. But, but you know, it's good to see that we have that grit after that no hitter, and, and and we have gotten two tough, tough wins against you know a team that just never goes away. And that's something that you know, as a Dodger fan, it's hard for me to accept and 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 and, and say out loud that the Giants are a good team. That kind of hurt my soul a little, but. They they are and 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 for us it, it they're always there they're always going to be a pain in the ass and and then they're always going to be fighting and that's good for baseball when the Dodgers and the Giants are going at it that's good for the West that's good for for everything really and it makes it more exciting for us on this end. Well, last question on the West though for you: Do you think you finished them off? I mean, five and a half going into play tonight. You're hot and they're very much not. Like I said, man, yeah, I I want to say yes, but these guys don't go away and and. I'm I'm not fully confident in in to say that it's done and it's dusted, but it's going to be a race down the end. And I think if we could win tonight, and and maybe by next week, I might be able to tell you that it's a lock. All right. Well, let's let's move on. I don't even want to talk about the American League Central because that's that's over. That's so over. So let's move on then to the American League East, where Toronto and the Yankees just trading punches. The Yanks today with a huge blowout of the Red Sox. But then Toronto just keeping pace. That looks like it's going to be great down to the wire. Oh, yeah, man. And it's so good. Like, you watch it on TV. You see the atmosphere in Toronto. It's good to see them enjoying their baseball, you know. And 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 what what the, the Blue Jays are doing is incredible, man. Three men with 30-plus homers. That hasn't been done since, like, 2012 when the Angels did it. And that's so impressive. These guys, Josh Donaldson has to be the AL MVP. I, don't, I mean, how do you feel about Josh Donaldson? He's, he's incredible this year. Oh, he's unreal. I, I don't know how you get him out. I, I just don't. And he's not even been the best player on the Jays over the course of the last month. Edwin Encarnacion has been unreal. Absolutely unreal. unreal. And I'm going to get – we'll get to him a little bit later because he's, he's in the running for one of our awards this week. Absolutely. Has to be. So then moving on to the American League West, we got a race there too. The Battle of Texas. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Astros are going to be too much. I think the Astros are just going to be able to keep it going and and, and uh, fend them off. I think they're pitching Keuchel's really good, and and Fires has proved to be good. You know, he no hit us not too long ago, so he we know he's uh, coming into you know his full potential right now. And I think if he could keep doing that and they could keep pitching, that they they can outlast this race. And and you know, Texas is a good ball club. You can never count on a ball club like Texas. They have good firepower. They can hit. Adrian Beltre's a stud. He always will be. You know, Delano DeShields Jr. has proven to be really good for them. And, and they just keep going forward and battling. And I, I, you can never count them out. Giovanni Gallardo has been really good. So, I mean, you can't count them out. But I, I think Astros have done enough. What are your thoughts on these two? I, uh, I just don't see how they catch Houston. Even with Cole Hamels going, I still just have so many doubts about that staff beyond him. They added an arm, but I think a lot of their rise up the standings has been due to the fact that the Angels have just been atrocious since the All-Star break. But I got a question for you then, uh, a guy you mentioned on the Rangers, Giovanni Gallardo. You know, being of Mexican descent, Armando, how, how, is, he, how is he received as, uh, in the pantheon of Mexican players in the majors recently? He's had a long and pretty good career. 
Yeah, man, he's up there. I think the fact that he played in Milwaukee, that's not, you know, for, for us Mexican fans. There's a lot of Mexican Dodger fans in Texas. It's big. That's where, you know, there's a lot of Mexican population there. And so they're fans of these teams. Him being uh, in Texas now is fantastic. I think he makes his home there. So it's just made it more, you know, it's amplified it more for us. And it's put him in the spotlight even more. So that's been good for him. As far as like before when he was in Milwaukee, everybody knew of him. Everybody knew that he was a stud and he had what it took. And, and we'd see him at the World Baseball Classic and we'd see him at, at other, you know, international events and stuff. And he'd be good. But but we never got to appreciate him fully because on a Mexican, for for most Mexicans, they don't watch a lot of Brewers games. But now that he's in Texas, he's, he gets that much more exposure and he's he's that much bigger now for sure. I don't actually even know if people in Milwaukee watch a lot of Brewers games the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't blame them either. Uh, so before we get to our guests, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of the NL East right now. Oh, I know you're ready for that. I'm not quite ready to call it over because I know the second I do, uh, I still have bad memories of 2007 in me, but six and a half going into play tonight with the Nationals just struggling against St. Louis and the Mets playing against the Philadelphia team that they own. It's hard not to be confident as a Met fan to think that they can close this out. My one concern is that Met bullpen is incredibly leaky, except for Clippard and Familia. Yeah, I mean, for me, I know that the bullpen isn't exactly as stout as you would like, but Familia is really nice. He's a fantastic arm, and I think your starting rotation, that's the luxury you have right now, is that your rotation can get you deep into ball games. But I have a question for you after this on that. Um, but, you know, I think the Mets are... are well ahead, the Nationals don't have enough to catch them. I don't think they have the the, the grit. I don't think they they have the fight in them. They look pretty reserved to the fact that they're 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 not going to win this East. And and it's good to see the Mets do this with such a young ball club. It's good to see Terry Collins do this, especially with the tough years he's had there recently. And it's good to see David Wright back in the playoffs. That's for sure. Um, but I do want to ask you one thing on your rotation: How many of these guys have really pitched this deep into you know the season and have this many meaningful, stressful innings, and then adding the top of those innings you know the playoff innings that are to come with these young arms do you think that you guys are ready for that do you think that'll be an issue that they'll tire that you'll see some dead arm action going on uh heading into the playoffs well they've been skipping heart they skipped harvey once this month they're skipping Cindergard on on saturday steven Matz is coming up so they're gonna go to a six-man rotation through september to preserve innings so i think that's a good approach especially with the lead and the fact that steven Matz, who you're bringing up is very, very capable. I mean, he pitched two games that were phenomenal in his first call-up before the before the DL stint. Rehab start, stint went great, basically didn't allow much in the minors. So I think that they're positioned to be okay. The innings limits, I think, are going to be obeyed by the fact that I don't see how John Neese gets a start in the postseason because I think you go Harvey, DeGrom, Syndergaard, and potentially Mats instead of John Neese just because of the power arms in the postseason play better. And then I think also you're improving the bullpen by the fact that one of those guys is going to go to the bullpen. Bartolo Colon is going to go to the bullpen. So guys like Hansel Robles, Carlos Torres, they're not making the postseason roster. So I think having that wealth of experience in the pen is going to help. But I am a little bit worried about the innings piling up, especially for DeGrom, who's only going 180 innings once in his career. Harvey coming off of Tommy John. Syndergaard basically just making his major league bow this year. It's, it's a concern, but I'll gladly sacrifice their arms for next season if it brings us a ring. Uh, I can't I can't argue with that. I can't argue with you there, brother. I, I know how that is. You know, as a Dodger fan, it's been a while for us, too, and I'm pretty hungry for that ring, and I, I don't blame you for, uh, you know, the opportunities there. You got to go for it. The Nationals, I think, uh, regret shutting down Strasburg a few years back in his rookie season with coming back from Tommy John because – of this reason, and that was probably their best year, and now, you know, they're sputtering. So I, I do think if the opportunity presents itself, you do need to go out there and get it. Yeah, can we talk about one player on the Nats? Max Scherzer. I have no clue what's going on there. I don't know if the lack of run support's gotten to his head. I mean, he's pitching to, I think, a 270 ERA, 290 FIP, yet 11-11, and 11, and starting to fade down the stretch. I'm just wondering, is... is that team getting to him. I would I would think so, man. I think I think that's just festering in that 
locker room and that dugout, you could tell that they're not having fun playing baseball anymore. I think that's the energy that I get, even from, you know press conferences. Matt Williams, we discussed this on the first part. I think Matt Williams is the main issue here. He he's not good in the locker room. He doesn't motivate the players. I think he's lost that ball club, and you're not going to succeed if you don't believe in your manager. You know, and I think that that trickles down, and you can see it in the in the production of most of your players, and especially in Max Scherzer, especially in recent months. Yeah. So let's move on to the National League Central. So. Just so our listeners know, we're focusing on that tonight. We have three great guests, uh, one to each, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Dumphy to talk Cubs baseball, Niall Smith to talk about the Pirates, and Ashley Hansen to talk about the Cards. But Armando, what's your read on that division? It's so competitive. Those teams are so good. How do you, how do you see that shaking out, one, two, three, going into September? I see the Cardinals winning the Central. Uh, I hate to say that because it, you know I would love to see the Cards have to play a wild card game, but the Cards don't—they don't put in consistent losing streaks. You know they have their arms are way too good. They put a stop to any type of streak that's going on losing streak wise and stuff. And you know Martinez is really good. Lynn has been solid this season. I don't think any one of their starters has less than 15 quality starts, which is ridiculous stat in itself. Um, I don't know. I think for the wild card, I think it's cemented with the two teams, uh, the Cubs and the Pirates. But I do think the Pirates are probably going to eke it out. They're just going to have just enough. It's not a you know slide on the Cubs. It's just the Cubs. They don't have much pitching, I don't think, after uh, Arietta and after um, Lester. And Lester's actually proven to not be able to throw to any base. People steal on him quite easily. And if they get into the one-game postseason playoff match, I think you got to go with Arietta for that reason, too. You know, you can't have the base runners having free reign out there. But I do think that it's going to end up shake up one uh, Cardinals, two Pirates, three Cubs. And it, but it's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch. And, you know, th- regardless of who wins the wild card match, it's going to be a lot of fun that series in uh, St. Louis because that's central. It's heated rivalries and they really love their baseball out there. How do you think it shakes up, man? I, I, I'm of a similar mind to you. The only thing I could see happening is just the Cubs with so many young players not having been in a postseason you know, run or a run to the postseason. I could potentially see the wheels falling off a little. I could see the Giants sneaking into that second wild card spot. I don't think it's likely, considering the fact that they've also just been playing terrible baseball lately. And the Dodgers, you know, taking them behind the woodshed and beating up on them, certainly probably not going to help their confidence. But I actually like the Cubs to beat the Pirates in a one-game playoff for some reason, mainly because of the fact that Jake Arrieta is just finally delivering. I would love to see that, man. I think they've never played in the playoffs before. That would be a that that rivalry is one of the oldest baseball rivalries. They, you know, for so many years, that would be great atmosphere at both Wrigley and at Bush. And those are quality baseball fans that know their stuff and deserve this kind of atmosphere. And I think that, you know, if if it boils down to it, I would like to see that as well. Yeah, it's just so much better for the game. Sorry, Pirates fans, we're we're not rooting against you or picking on you. It's just we're trying to honor history. Yeah, sorry, Pirates fans. And now joining us to talk Pirates baseball is Niall Smith. Niall, how are you doing tonight? Great. How are we doing, guys? Doing pretty good. So the Pirates have been just incredibly hot since about the beginning of May, yet catching St. Louis has proved to be hard. Uh, Do you think it's particularly possible? It's been, we've had the best record in all of baseball since May 31st. We're 53 and 27. Beginning of May, we were six games back from the Cardinals. In June, six came back from the Cardinals. July, six came back from the Cardinals. Are you getting the, the trend here? <laughs> Yesterday, we're still six games back from the Cardinals. I have no idea. what we, I don't know how they just, they never not go on a cold streak. It's crazy. Um, but the Pirates have definitely turned it on here since, you know, the end of May. So it's been, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, so I want to talk to you then for a second about Andrew McCutcheon, who's just having an absolute monster of a season. What do you think his presence in the lineup has done to the Pirates this season? And do you think he's probably the National League MVP if you were casting a vote today? Obviously, with your bias being there. <laughs> yeah, this team, it, it, um, it, it breathes, lives, and dies by Kutch. That guy is the heart and soul of this team. He's the face of the franchise. And the kid, and he's not a kid anymore, I remember remember watching him here and a triple a indianapolis coming through and you just tell from the first time he stepped on the field he's going to be a star and the kid's just a monster i mean every, everything he does it, 
every part of his game is great. Um, as for MVP, it's going to be kind of hard to, you know, he's not living up to last year as much, you know, last year was a monster season this year. He's, you know, he's no slouch. Obviously he's, you know, batting, you know, over 300 and still pounding the home runs, 20 home runs. But, um, he's got to be up there, you know, the top three again for the, for the race for MVP. Yeah, the numbers you mentioned, his uh, numbers coming in today was a, a 304, 404, I think 521 slash, which is just incredible. But are you uh, worried at all or just wondering where the running in his game has gone? Because it seems to be a concerted effort not to have him take any extra bases. The stolen base seems to be all but gone from his game. Is that more of a decision to try to keep him fresh? Or do you think it's just not needed because of Polanco and Marte at the top of that lineup? That's what I was gonna say. It's kind of a kind of a combo of you know you want to save his legs a little bit. You know, it's a long season. He's out there patrolling center field. He's all over the place out there playing defense. But you do have you know you've got Polanco now, Marte, um, Jay Hay. You know those guys can all run. You got you know a new guy who just got caught up, uh, Firmino, who's a um, not Firmino. Sorry, he's the, the soccer Pedro, Pedro Pedro Florimon. You mean Pedro Florimon? <laughs> I'm in soccer mode still, guys. Um, you know, he got called up, um, watched him in AAA all season. He's a speedy one too, as well. So I think you have, he's got, we've got more options now on the base paths where, you know, in the past you know, we didn't have that as much. And, um, so I think kind of, he can take it back a little bit now. So. Now, another thing I want to ask you about are just some of the moves that the Pirates made at the deadline, bringing in Aramis Ramirez to shore up the infield. You know, he's, there's a lot of mileage there, but Ramirez is silently one of the all-time compilers at the third base position. And then Joaquin Soria to shore up that eighth inning, getting the ball to Melanson. How have those moves played out, and what else would you have liked to have seen the Pirates do to maybe exert more pressure on the cards or address another area of weakness to go deep into October? One move that they made that I liked a lot that's actually panned out pretty good is um, J.A. Happ signing him, another lefty to have in the starting rotation, which is good to have because we still have, you know, Locke, who's a young kid still. And, um, you know, as we get here into this late part of the season, rough schedule coming up here to end the year. It's going to be good to kind of have another little veteran there on the on the staff. Ramirez was big signing for us. Um, you know, it kind of takes some more pressure a little bit off of Pedro. He's not the only, you know, main power hitter now, which is kind of nice. So you kind of have, you know, um, you know, Ramirez over there kind of take a little bit of pressure off of Pedro. Um, so the deals we made, the deadline were good. We made step in the right direction. It was kind of nice to see the Pirates for once, you know, they're buying and acquiring talent to make this push to, you know, try to catch the cards. It's so hard to, instead of, you know, let's, you know, offload a bunch of people. So these last few years have been nice to be a Pirates fan. So I want to come in also then and ask you a question about the starting rotation. Garrett Cole has been lights out this year, but past there, there have been some question marks, especially with the injury slash blushing in disguise to A.J. Barnett. <laughs> what, do you, what are your feelings on the arms? You know, do they have enough? Uh, you know, you, you mentioned J.A. Happ, but Charlie Morton can be a bit hit and miss. Jeff Locke is, you know, a lefty who relies on a lot of finesse, which can work, but sometimes uh, doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, do you? What are your feelings on the rotation? Does Cole, is it going to work out, or I'm really hoping it is going to work out. Cole is, you know, he's he's your horse that you got to ride him. Um, if if it comes down to it, where it is this one game playoff with the Cubs, if we don't catch the Cardinals, um, I think. Clint's going to have a hard decision of, do you go with Cole? He's your big power right arm, or do you go with a veteran like Liriano for that? But um, I think it does ride on Cole a little bit. He had a really bad outing uh, last night against the Brewers, which is very rare for him. Um, so hopefully he got that bad start out of his system to for the stretch run here. Um, so yeah, with Locke, it's just worrisome. You know, we got a young guy, and you're true. It does use a lot of kind of junk, you could say. Um, but if he's on, if he's on his game that night, you know, he's one of those guys, you can't touch him. So, um, but yeah, it does, it does rest on Cole. We do have, um, you know, still some call-ups that could 
still come up to shore up the bullpen some more. I really like uh, Blake Wood, who's been here in AAA this whole year, and the kid's a uh, big, tall, six seven, big country white boy, and just rocket of arm. Would love to see him get caught up once uh, Indianapolis Indian season ends here this weekend to kind of get him in the uh, bullpen as well to kind of just you know that's what's going to come down to when you hit the playoffs is pitching and. You know, if they do get to your starters, you got to have that bullpen. And it's interesting you bring up the Pirates' bullpen because that seems to be an area of real strength. Right. Uh, do, do you see that being able to keep up? Obviously, bullpens are hit and miss, but what's it like to be able to have just that set of arms that can shorten games once the starters leave? It's nice, yeah. Once you hit that seventh inning, it's kind of, all right, you can kind of call it a night, you know, majority of the time, you know, with Watson out there and Hughes and Soria and – you know the shark, all those guys. So it's it's good to see. We brought up um, some other guy, you know, Liz, who was a, uh, a starter for his kind of whole career, and he's about thirty one now. And they kind of tr- transitioned him to the bullpen uh, down in Indianapolis uh, during the year. Uh, he started with the Pirates at the beginning of the year, then they brought him down, and um, he transitioned really, really well throughout uh, this Triple A season. So getting him called back up, he's got a lot more confidence now. Having him now in the bullpen is even going to be you know, another kind of strength to have. The more arms, the better. No, that's uh, the the uh, greatest truth in baseball. So before we get you out of here, i got two more questions for you. First of which, going down the season, who's been the biggest pleasant surprise for you as far as Pirates players? I would say one that I was excited to watch, but I was a little nervous about what he was going to do, was our new Korean signing, um, Jung Ho. He's... You know, in the in the Korean league, he was blasting, you know, 50 home runs. And, you know, put your pitch, you know, he's playing against Toledo Lady Typing School, you know, over there. So um, it was, he's been a really good surprise. It's been um, to see him ha- have some pop in his bat. You know, he's got 13 home runs now this year. He's batting right there just under 300. Got a fit, you know, 50 RBI. So he's he's been a pleasant one, to, uh, a pleasant surprise to watch this year. Um, the one guy I'm a little disappointed in is would be Polanco. I, I just was hoping he'd have another kind of a the breakout year. He just has kind of an awkward long swing sometimes, and so I'm hoping he kind of kicks into gear as we get down the home stretch here. Yeah, and another player who's been resurgent lately has been Neil Walker, who's another guy who I would really think is going to pay dividends coming down the stretch. I mean, he's been very very difficult to get out. He's playing but I guess, back year too, so you know, I think it's maybe playing to his mind a little bit of, you know, he's got that, you know, end of his contract looming here. So I think that of you know almost all players in uh, baseball that kind of happens, and then you see that of where contract year coming up, they kind of kick it up a notch too, which is good to see. Yeah, especially also because he's twenty nine, so this is <laughs> potentially coming into the last big deal for Neil Walker if he right. can get one. So before we bring you out, I uh, just. How do you see this all playing out for the Pirates? Do you do you see St. Louis being caught, or do you think you're shoehorned into that one-game wild card, uh, potentially against the Cubs, maybe against San Francisco, but they seem to be fading? Yeah, they seem fading. Um, I would love to say we are going to capture the division, but to be honest and a realist, it's going to be a very, very tricky thing to do. This weekend we've got St. Louis away, which – on the road against everybody else in baseball, 26 and 11, you know, doing really good. you kind of here, but against NL central teams, we're only seven and 19 on the road, which is a really worrying stat. So, you know, going to St. Louis this weekend, if we could come out of there, knock some games off, but you know, they've got to go then to Chicago, play the Cubs for a four game series, but it's at home, which is good. So you kind of could stretch that lead out, um, away from them, which would kind of be nice. But then he had to go out to the West with the Dodgers and uh, the Rockies. You know, a late West Coast trip. He kind of throw a curveball into things. But if all things go right, end the year, three-game series against the Cardinals, that could be – they should just put on ESPN all three nights. I mean, that's going to be – that place is going to be rocking. It's going to be in Pittsburgh. That place is going to be packed to the gills, and it's just going to be crazy magic. So – I'm really, really hoping and praying we get uh, we can slide in there and you know so we're you know game back once we hit the Cardinals in the last game of the series. But 
I think it's going to be um, – and the Cardinals just – I don't think they know how to lose. You could They could wreck their bus and everybody breaks their arm. They would still find a way to win. I don't, I don't know how they do it. It's crazy to me. So I uh, want to thank you for joining us. Uh, before you go out, uh, anything you want to plug? Where can people find you on Twitter? Any projects you got going? Uh, if you want, yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, like underscore the underscore river. If you guys, if you're listening to Anfield Index here, you've uh, probably heard my voice with the USA podcast with Justin and uh, Mondo was on last week. So I'm sure you'll hear from me again on the AI. They're doing great things over there. Gags is he's tearing it up. So it's good to see. I'm just glad you guys invited me on. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. And now joining us, we have Matt Dumphy, a big-time Cubs fan. And, you know, we, we're trying to get a big perspective on the Cubs, especially since they're making such a good run and having a good resurgence this year, which is always good to see. It's always good for baseball when teams like the Cubs are, are relevant again. Matt, how are you, man? Uh, sunburnt and tired. I spent all afternoon in the bleachers. It was a good day despite the result. How are you guys? We're good, man. Thank you for joining us. And, yeah, how is the atmosphere at Wrigley these days, man? Uh, it's, it's hot. Um, the, everyone, it's a new mentality. Uh, I remember 2008 when it was, it was the hundred anniversary of the previous World Series, the 1908 World Series, which as most of you know, was the last time the Cubs won a championship. That was probably the last team I remember that had this type of attention on them, uh, at this time of the year, uh, making the playoffs. And now everything just seems different and the fans just seem more patient with things just because they know. This is a big process, and everyone trusts Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer more than they trust Jim Henry and the Tribune Company. And I, I, I'd like to see how uh, uh, everyone is being optimistic and positive and not you know, negative, lovable loser Cub fans anymore. It's nice. Yeah, man, I bet. And how, about Epstein and Joe Madden, even how much of an impact have they made? Not just you know in the team and in the locker room and stuff, but but on the city as a whole. How much of a difference have they made there in Chicago? Yeah, um, Joe Madden especially is a rock star. I was uh, I was in Arizona for uh, a week for spring training at the end of spring training, and uh, I mean everywhere you go, there's Cub fans, and every time Joe Madden would do a pitching change and walk back into the dugout. He'd get a standing ovation from Cub fans, and he'd just tip his hat to everyone. And, you know, he, he's a rock star. He lives a rock star lifestyle. Not really a rock star lifestyle, but he's one of the most beloved managers, or let alone coaches, this city's had since Phil Jackson and currently with the Blackhawks and Joel Quenville. Um, he, he, he loves Chicago. Uh, he, he knows his stuff. It's nice to have a manager who knows what the final score was. We were talking today, Lou Pinello, there would be some games then. 2008 and when he was managing where he wouldn't know the final score or anything that happened joe madden remembers every detail from every game and that's it's nice to hear him post-game press conferences you know knowing what happened in games i can if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine, man. And also, I want to ask you about Joe Madden and the way he's bringing in these bright young stars, Addison Russell, uh, Chris Bryan, and, and how they're just making an impact right away. He's not afraid to do this. And he's giving play, him and Epstein are giving players a chance, like Dexter Fowler coming over and proving himself. He's been fantastic. And now you guys got Austin Jackson, and hopefully that's something that helps, you know, and, and improves your squad. How much of a difference are they making and with the faith that they're putting in these young players? And how impressed are you with these young players? Uh, very impressed. Uh, it's nice to see them uh, having a uh, impact right away on the team, uh, especially with you name guys like Russell and Bryant. Uh, you have to include Kyle Schwarber in that conversation. I think he's got 12 home runs or something like that since he got called up. And uh, I think that was back in uh, July. And he is just tearing it up right now. He's He's one of the most exciting ones to watch right now. Addison Russell, he's been playing great as well. He's probably the best fielder of the three that we're talking about. Uh, going back on the fielding, Chris Bryant, his main concern is fielding. He's a 6'5 third baseman, and it, he, he made a crucial error today, ended up leading the Cubs, ended up losing 7-3. to well, I mean, his home run wasn't his fault, but uh, he did make a crucial error at third ground ball, you know, that most third basemen or any infielder would get and went right through his legs, but... You know, these guys are young. Uh, they have a lot of work to do. My two biggest concerns for the young guys are Soler and Baez. But they're both, when they're on, they're on. And they can hit the ball far. And their biggest problem is just swinging at garbage. It's like what Vladimir Guerrero would do. I, I think I think of the, the big prospects, you have to look at Soler and Baez's two big concerns. Soler especially. I, I just think he's been really underwhelming, underwhelmed this year. And I think if they're going to get rid of any of those five guys, I think you'll see Soler be the first to go. Well, it's funny you talk about the, the youth of the team because now it seems as if Anthony Rizzo is your steely veteran. What do you think his presence in the lineup does to stabilize the team and just provide that pop from a corner position? Huge. Um, he, it's clear he's a big leader on the field. Uh, him and David Ross are – I mean, David Ross doesn't play that much, but you, they're probably the two biggest leaders on this team in my opinion. I like to see how Rizzo is connecting with everyone. I mean, he's young, and he's acting, he's not acting like a kid on the field. He's acting like he's been in the majors, you know, for years, years. And uh, it, it's nice to see him take a leadership role on the field. Yeah, man, I want, I want to ask you, like, with your pitching staff, and, and uh, Arietta's clearly mm -hmm. a stud, man. I mean, he's had 27 starts, 23 quality, none more quality than his last mm -hmm. one, I'll tell you what. How do you feel about that no-hitter, man? I know as a Cubs fan, it's probably, you know, amazing. You know, it happened to Dodger Stadium here in my yeah. backyard, so I was watching, all eyes were, you know, tuned into that. And towards the end, you catch yourself kind of rooting for mm -hmm. him, you know what I mean? So it was good to see him do that, and it's, it's good for the Cubs, and it's good for your fan base. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last no-hitter we had before that was uh, Zambrano. He did that in a makeup game, and I believe that was 08 as well. Um, it, it's nice to see Arietta living up to, uh, I think he, he had a lot of hype coming up through Baltimore, and there was just a bunch of, someone found a bunch of old tweets from uh, Orioles fans, just how disappointed they were in him when he was there. And it's nice to see him living up to his potential uh, that he had in Baltimore, because he's Definitely our number one. If we're going into a wild card game with Pittsburgh, I want Arietta on the mound. As much as they're paying Lester, I'd rather see the Cubs win. And I'll be interested to see what Joe Madden does if that situation comes up, if you have to decide between Arietta or Lester. Well, when you go beyond Arietta and Lester, though, that's a spot where there might be a little bit of concern because of the lack of consistency of some of the starters. What do you think of the staff beyond that front two? Well, you, our uh, other three pitchers, we have... Uh, Jason Hamill, Kyle Hendricks, and Dan Heron. Uh, those are our uh, three, four, five guys. Dan Heron is probably the biggest area concern. Being a fly ball pitcher, I guess is what they refer to him as, at Wrigley Field is not ideal at all in a hitter's ballpark. He especially, I saw him pitch last night, and his you know, first inning gives up a home run in half of the, these. And he actually had a pretty decent start for Dan Heron. 
I remember the, his first game in Pittsburgh. I mean, every ball, just a fly ball. And I, I do not want to see him pitching, you know, a first wild card game for the Cubs. Uh, Hendrickson Hamill, bit inconsistent. Uh, Hendricks has been a little bit... Uh, Hendricks started out well. He's kind of cooled off. And Hamill ha- Hamill's had his up and down spots. He's 7-6 and six this year. Um, I definitely think that the Cubs' biggest concern right now is their pitching. Uh, I think the fielding and their hitting is fine, but the bullpen especially definitely needs work. I mean, we just signed Fernando Rodney, but, I mean, as you all know, he's not the most reliable guy in the bullpen. But, you know, we'll see what happens this offseason. It's nice to know that this isn't, you know, the final product of this whole Cubs rebuild because I definitely think that Theo and Ted will make uh, some great reinforcements this uh, winter. Well, I want to go back to the pen for a second, though. Discuss Hector Rondon. Has he really, you know, made the ninth inning a lockdown inning? And are there any fears there? I know the numbers are great, but young guy as a closer, does he not know any better, or is he just that good? I, I, I there are a lot of Cub fans who are very confident in him. You know, referring to him as Rondon is his, his nickname. Uh, I'm still iffy about him. I wanted the Cubs to go after Jonathan Papelbon in the trading deadline. I think he would do really well here with the Cubs system. He did well in Boston earlier in his career, and he started to pick things back up again from where he was then. I definitely want the Cubs to have a solid closer, and I'm not sure Rondon is that guy, to be honest with you. I mean, his numbers might say that he is on pace for that, but I if you hand the ball to Rondon, I don't. I can't trust him 100%. And I know there are a lot of Cub fans who will disagree with me, but that's just you know my personal opinion with that. Cool, man. And before we get you out of here, let me just ask you, Matt, how do you think uh, this all turns out for the Cubs? You think uh, you guys get into the wild card spot? Probably the Pirates, it looks like. And what do you, what do you, how do you like your chances there? <laughs> well, my heart says we're going to win the World Series this year, but you know we'll see what happens. But my head says I, I think – if they throw Arietta against Pittsburgh, it'll be a hostile environment. Pittsburgh's not an easy place to play in the playoffs, as we saw last year. I think if Arietta can have a start like he did uh, in L.A., I mean, a no-hitter would be nice. But just, you know, if he's on his game, I don't think there's any pitcher better in baseball than him, to be completely honest. Uh, I, I would like to see him get that game one start. And, you know, we'll see what happens if, you know, if the Cardinals continue what they're doing. We'll probably face them in the division series if... Uh, if all goes well in that wild card series, because it's looking right now that it'll be uh, Pittsburgh and Chicago and Pittsburgh for that uh, NL wild card spot, that playing game that they have. Yeah, and if you guys get the Cardinals, that'll be nice. That'll be the first time I think uh, ever that you guys meet in the playoffs. If I, I believe so, yes. So that'll that'll Matt. be fantastic, man. So Matt, thank you very much for joining us, man. Thank you for your yeah. time. It's great to have a Cubs perspective. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Where can people follow you on Twitter, man? You can follow me at Matt Dunphy. It's my first and last name, M-A-T-T-D-U-N-P-H-E-Y. I tweet a lot about the Cubs. Uh, I'm also a big soccer fan. I follow, uh, I tweeted frequently about Liverpool Football Club and my hometown team, Chicago Fire. I tweet a lot about them and soon to be DePaul Blue Demons Basketball. That's the, the school that I go to. So interested in any of those things or just want to talk baseball in general, you can find me there. All right, man, and good luck to your cubbies, brother. Take care. Thank you. And now joining us from the Deep South in Oxford, Mississippi, to talk St. Louis Cardinals baseball is Ashley Hansen. Ashley, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. So your Cardinals just keep chugging along. Seems year after year they're a lock for 90 to 100 wins. What, what's, what's the formula there? How does this always work? Farm system, baby. Farm system. We grow baby birds in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I'm not very far. Actually, I live in South Haven, uh, Mississippi, which is right under the state line of uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Real 20 minutes from the ballpark in downtown Memphis, and I can go see them anytime I want to. And if it wasn't for those baby birds this year, you know, I don't know where we would be. It's amazing that we have the record we do using the players from from the farm system well you talk about those baby birds and there's two i want to focus on in particular talking to the pitching which has been just phenomenal for the cards this year carlos sure martinez and michael waka what makes those two so special i think the heart and desire i mean they're young uh kids and also they've gotten to learn from some of the best uh players in our uh in our clubhouse uh, wainwright 
uh, he teaches these young kids and he's around them all the time and he, he mentors them and, and, and doesn't let them get too excited about, you know, uh, uh, when they're getting ready to throw, it just works out well for us. Just having that leadership in the, in the clubhouse and what really helps a young pitcher more than anything is that man behind the plate and nobody does it better than Yachty Molina. So it's interesting you bring up Adam Wainwright because it's being obviously going down for the year with you know that Achilles injury that early. What were your thoughts then? Did you think that that might have been a derailer of the season if at I, the time? If, if I would have told you, I mean, if somebody would have told me we would have had the best record in baseball pretty much all the way through the season, and our ace pitcher went down, part of our starting outfield were down. You know, our first baseman's down. I would have told you you were crazy. But, I mean, it just all depends. You know, the the next man up is that this team's motto, and they just, that's just how they do it. The next team, the next man up just comes in and plays plays the position and earns their spot, and uh, they learn from the veterans and, and not get too overwhelmed by the situation they're in. Uh, they just come in and do it the cardinal way. That's the only way we know how to do it. So – Coming up and down also, just looking at some of the reclamation projects that Cardinals have taken on, Johnny Peralta over the last two years has just come out of nowhere, or shouldn't say out of nowhere, he's always a good player in Cleveland, but to really resurrect his career, what, what's going on there? What's uh... Well, you've seen players uh, come to St. Louis in the past, and I would say Jason Hayward is probably going to be another story like that. Uh, not that he didn't have a good career in uh, Atlanta, but you come to St. Louis where the fans are very knowledgeable about baseball. I'd probably say some of the most, the best fans in the world about being very knowledgeable about what goes on in baseball. And players recognize that. And they recognize it feels more like home. Uh, Larry Walker was another one. Uh, had a great career uh, with him. But, and uh, Matt Holliday has had a great career with Colorado. When he came to St. Louis, it just felt, he's even said it himself, it feels more like home. He feels comfortable here. He's been very successful as a Cardinal, and I, I don't see Peralta uh, wavering from that any. So if you had to point to a spot where this team is vulnerable, where is it? <laughs> I don't know, really. The starting pitching has been good. Uh, our ace is down, and, and our – Five pitchers right now are all under three, three or less ERA. I mean, under three, all of them. Our backside of our bullpen's been great. Uh, we get more consistency out of, uh, you know, Broxton and and stuff like that. But Choate and uh, as Choate and Rosenthal and Manus, those guys have been the the horses in there, and uh, we're gonna need them throughout the playoffs and. As far as fielding, these young guys, if they keep doing what they're doing and, and position players and batters, uh, Piscotti, Tommy Pham, those are some of those uh, Memphis Redbirds, and they just keep doing what they're doing. I, I don't see this the wheels falling off this by any means. Ashley, I have a question for you. Me growing up, I used to watch a lot of Cardinals baseball. I used to watch a lot of Cubs baseball. Actually, I just used to watch a lot of baseball. But, yes, uh, Mike Matheny uh, was one of my favorite catchers, and, and I used to catch, so I used to watch Mike Matheny and the way he played, and he brings that same attitude. He has such a great baseball mind, and he brings that same attitude into his position as manager there, and, mm-hmm. and the way he implements his pieces, and the, the way that the team really picks up that kind of energy and that kind of focus that Mike Matheny has. How impressed have you been as a Cardinals fan with Mike Matheny, even though he hasn't had any prior managerial experience before this? I've been very impressed. I knew what kind of player he was. I was uh, He has that blue-collar attitude, and I thought, well, you know, as Tony is hard shoes to feel, and we were very successful during that regime, but I knew if anybody could do it, Mike Matheny could if he brought that same attitude with him, and he does. He plays – he says, give me the best nine innings you can give me. I'm going to put the best, uh, you know, players out there, but give me the best nine innings you can give me. And uh, they go out there and find a way to win. I tell you, they have won, uh, including last night, they've won 16 games after they were trailing after the seventh inning. And, by, and last year, we only did that 10 times. But as of right now, 
we have uh, we've won 16 of those games, and that's one of the hardest things to do. You go into the seventh inning and you're down, and then to come back and win, that's a uh, that's some confidence boosters right there. That's going to take you deep into the postseason and all the way to that ring. So you, you bring up the postseason, and if the Pirates even just play, I mean, if the Cardinals even play 500 baseball for the rest of the season, they're getting to 101 wins, which clearly means you're not competing for the wild card and you're going for the division is yours. Yeah. Which teams have, in the net, which teams in the national league scare you a little bit? Um, you know, the Mets are playing really good ball in the East, but in the central, I would say Pittsburgh, they've been playing really good ball and Chicago's been playing really good ball. I think if, if Chicago gets that wild card spot and somehow they find a way to win that, that, uh, one game playoff, that first series, if we got them in that first series, that's going to be phenomenal atmosphere. I'm a baseball, I'm a Cardinals fan, but also I'm a baseball fan, and that is just good for baseball. I've I've been to Wrigley on Cardinals Cubs weekends, and that is just absolutely one of one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen. And Bush Stadium, I love Bush Stadium, and when the Cubs come there, that is just a rocking house. And we have a good time. But out of the out of the West, we've we've taken care of the Dodgers, and we've taken in the past, and we've taken care of the Giants. And uh, you know, the Giants are only good on uh, even years. The Cardinals take the odd years. So it's 2015. We're gonna get a ring. That's that's some bold talk, especially because you're speaking to a Met fan and a Dodger fan. I love it. I love it. Hey, I love we don't it. hold any punches down here in Mississippi. We This is how we talk. I, I like the confidence. I mean, right now I'm having flashbacks to Yadier Molina's home run over uh, off of Aaron Heilman in 06. And That's right. It, it, does, it doesn't feel particularly good. I, I'm wearing my 06 replica ring as we speak, so I'll just, I'll just tell you that. Hey, Armando, can we hang the phone up? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, man. <laughs> So how do you how do you see this all shaking out? I mean, obviously you've mentioned you know that you think you're going to win it all. Are you, are you standing by that comment? Is that the kind of confidence that a Cards fan could take into October? I I think so. I mean, uh, this team has showed us nothing but that we were the first team. We've had the lead in the Central since uh, what something like April twentieth or something like that. The outright right re, uh, lead. Uh, we were the first team to 50 wins, first team to 60, first team to 70, and so on. And uh, I see nothing. But if we get some help, maybe if Matt Adams or Matt Holiday can come off the bench and we get some of those, uh, you know, big-time players to play in big-time moments, then maybe that, that can help us down the line and uh, secure that ring for us. But I see nothing but the best for these Cardinals. They they played with nothing. We could have very easily laid down and, and said, oh, well, we lost everything. This is not our year. But they didn't do that, and I'm, I'm proud of this team. All right. So I, I love the confidence. In the end, I, you know, selfishly as a Met fan, I hope it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> but uh, I love the confidence. Before we bring you out, where can people find you on Twitter? What, what are you, like, talking about? Anything you want to plug? Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at dude named Ashley. I get that a lot down here, but dude named Ashley, uh, A-S-H-L-E-Y. And actually next week, I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm in SEC country, so I'm a big fan of SEC football, and we're right here with the Ole Miss Rebels, and, uh, and uh, we've got the Mississippi State Bulldogs across the state. But I'm a Rebel fan, and we'll be talking about that. I'm starting a radio show next week. Uh, a local radio show, and um, you can find us there at MS Lazy Boys, and it's MS L A Z Y B O Y Z, MS Lazy Boys, and uh, to find all your Mississippi high school and local uh, college and SEC talk there. All right, well, thanks for joining us, Ashley. Thanks, buddy. Well, well thank y'all. I appreciate you you having me. We'll do it again, man. Absolutely. Uh, you want to talk a little bit of NL Cy Young? Yeah, I'd love to talk about the National League Cy Young. So there are just so many great pitching performances in the National League right now. I mentioned Max Scherzer. So even even with that record of 11-11, and 11, 
is in contention. But then you've got Zach Greinke, Clayton Kershaw, Madison Bumgarner, Jake Arrieta, Jacob deGrom, Matt Harvey, and Garrett Cole, all just pitching lights out right now. What do you what do you what do you think uh, if you had if you had a vote on this? Give me your top three. Uh, right now, my top three would be Granky, Kershaw, Arietta. And that's not even a bias. I just think they've been that good. I know Kershaw's wins and stuff haven't been what they should be. And th- but to be fair, the Cy Young is probably wins is not shouldn't be factored in as that important anymore. Too many no decisions happen, too much things like that. And I really think that Granky has just been so good, so phenomenal all season, home away. It doesn't matter. You know, he goes deep into ball games. He had that long period of scoreless innings. And then we've seen Arietta. I think if anybody that's not a Dodger has a chance, it's him. He's been so good and so competitive. And it, it's good to see a guy that's been in the game and struggled for quite some time to come in and put in the kind of effort and put in the kind of work. You know, from what we hear and what we read, he's one of the hardest working people in baseball. And, and he takes care of himself and he puts in that kind of work and, and that kind of hours. And it's good to see that kind of thing succeed. But as far as just straight stuff, Kershaw has to be the best in the game, undoubtedly. He, he could take a game over. I'd still take him in any game if it's a one uh if it's a one game win or lose i'm taking kershaw i know in the playoffs he's he's been roughed up a little bit by the cardinals in in the past but uh, it it doesn't matter watching kershaw on a night i mean on every five days here is 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 an absolute privilege it's a joy watching him work paint the corners it's it's unlike anything i've seen in a long time man so i'm not a believer in the concept of pitchers choking because i just don't think that's one of those things that happens I think sometimes you just don't have it, and in those particular games you're talking about, those are just nights where Kershaw didn't have it. But if I'm going to actually give you my top three, I'm going in a little bit different direction than you. I'm going Kershaw to still win the thing, just because of the fact that, and you, you and I spoke about this offline, but it's going to go to the peripherals things. Kershaw has been let down by a bunch of bad defense this year. Had a little bit of a rough start with a little bit of injury issues. But he's basically taken the ball out of having any sort of fielding interaction over the course of the last two months. He's striking everyone out. His strikeout ratios are through the roof. So he's going to take it for me. Granke has to take second for me just because of that ridiculous ERA that he's flirting with. Obviously, ERA is a circumstantial stat because fielding is important in that the ball drops where you know, a field, where an outfielder isn't. It's a hit. And clearly, as you know, the Dodgers have had some issues in the outfield defensively. So I'm going Granky second. And then in third place, I'm actually going to go Madison Bumgarner. And my reasoning for this is not to slight Jake Arrieta, who's been unreal. It's not to slight Jacob deGrom, who I love. It's not to slight Matt Harvey, who destroyed the month of August. It's because of the fact that I'm just shocked. I'm simply shocked that his arm hasn't fallen off. That guy has thrown more innings than anybody over the course of the past two years. And just how consistent he is, you know, he's at 16 wins. We're in the beginning of September on a team that doesn't score for him. It's just quite astounding how good he really is. And I think he's, if, if Kershaw's your, your number one in the game overall, which I have absolutely no qualms agreeing with because we've seen it over the last few years, Madison Bumgarner is, is second. Maybe not a close second, but he's a definite second for me. It's hard to argue with Madison Bumgarner, man. As a guy that watches him regularly and that I compete, that my team competes with on a regular basis, it, it's it's hard to argue with him, man. The man's a competitor. He takes the ball out there. He wants the ball in the big games and the big situations. We've seen what he's done in the postseason. That's a mentality thing. It's not just his talent. He has loads and loads of talent, but he will not be beat. Yesterday, when he was playing, with, when, when when him and the Dodgers were were playing, and him and Grinky were pitching, it was fantastic to see these two. The mindset, the, the you know, the determination in every pitch, the focus they had, and that's the thing that makes them so successful. So for you to give Bumgarner a shout, man, is, is absolutely, you know, totally fair and within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I want to go off script for a second and actually pose a question to you. There's no one this year who'd be deserving of it. I mean, the closest I can think of would be Jahurius Familia. But uh, what's your feelings on closers getting the Cy Young Award? I don't mind it, as, as, uh, but they, it has to be really impressive and it has to be... Um, a weak year for starting pitching. I don't think this is that year. Uh, but, I, I mean, 
it's not my favorite thing, but I'm not against it completely. If this guy's lights out and just like Gagne was that year, the Gagne one, I hate to say it, but he deserved that. You know, Gagne was absolutely ridiculous. Once Eric Gagne came in the game, the Dodgers won that game. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. He would throw 98 and then hit you with that 63 floater up there. And what are you going to do? You know, although, yeah, tainted by performance enhancing drugs and whatever. But as far as the award goes, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah, I can't hold performance enhancing drugs against any player in that era. There were so many. I mean, what was it? The Mitchell Report said there were 104 positive tests most of which we don't know about. So I feel like the guys who got outed in it just kind of maybe got a raw deal. Now, granted, Gagne, and a lot of, Gagne fell apart partly because of injuries and maybe also partly because of the fact that he wasn't juicing, but there are so many performances from the 1998 to 2005 that you, you really just have to question. But I, I, don't like holding, I don't like holding it against anybody because it's an era, it happened. But going back to my own question that I posed to you, I hate it. I really, really hate the concept of a relief pitcher winning the Cy Young. It's it's uh, it's just disgusting to me. I mean, that you know, <laughs> one 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 you pitch you pitch one inning. Now, granted, look, three outs that you're getting under pressure. It's uh, it's tough, but they played the game for what was Larusa really started it with Eckersley with a closer as a real specialization. They played the game for like 125 years without that. I hear you. I mean, the closest thing you had was like a guy like Gossage, but even then Gossage was going out and throwing two or three innings for, for saves. I hear you, man. But I think if you're going to go out there and you're going to, I mean, everything is very dependent on numbers and, and appearances and innings and strikeouts and then hits and, and FIP and all these, you know, intricate advanced stats, then those would have to be damn near perfect for a reliever to get it anymore, I think, in this day and age. But I don't, I'm not totally against it if all that warrants it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I could go real old manish and potentially New York centric for the team that I dislike, and just you know, put my hand, stomp my hand against the table, and say, "If Mariano Rivera couldn't win it, nobody should." I mean, it's hard to argue that too, though. <laughs> uh, it, it's one of those things that I'll just never, never get. I hear you, man. No, nah, I mean, it's just one of those things. It, it, you know, you either like it or you don't. It's like the DH, and that's we could have a whole podcast about that. I'm sure. Oh, I, I, I think we should in the off season. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. So let's get let's get on to our players of the week. Who you got, Armando? All right. Well, in the American League, I'm gonna go with uh, a rookie from the Twins, and that's uh, that's Miguel Sano. He's hit 357, four dingers, nine RBIs in the last seven games, and he's really he's an impressive, impressive young man. When he hit, when he hits a home run, it's not just a home run. I mean, granted, now they're playing outdoors. But those would have been roof scrapers in the Metrodome. Oh, yeah, dude. He's hitting some bombs with ease. With ease. He's a massive human being, though. He is. I, there's actually a documentary. I can't remember the name of it on Netflix. It's something about it, – it's about agents basically signing players in, in, in the international free agent market. But Sano is the man they focus on. And you could just see at 16 that he was absolutely crushing the ball. I'm going to have to find this and uh, put it out on, uh, on my timeline, get it out to our listeners. Because it's really worth watching. Please do. I want to watch that too. Um, and then for my National League uh, pick, I went with Joey Votto, who's had a very good year all year. And it's gone under the radar because the, the, the Reds are losing a lot. But, uh, you know, in the last seven, he hit 450, two homers and five RBIs with one stolen base. So he's even moving. He's on the run a little bit. Can we basically just go out and right now just say that Joey Votto is the best player who nobody pays attention to in baseball? Yeah, I would say that. It's hard to argue with it. He's such a natural, too, man. It's so much fun watching him play. He's, he, he has total control of that uh, of the strike zone, of that bat in his hand. He's so good defensively. Joey Votto, is, is, it's a shame that nobody really uh, – he's not on that many people's lips. You know what I mean? Yeah, although I think I said the same thing about Paul Goldschmidt last week. So maybe I just like first baseman who can run. And, and rake. Walk. And rake. <laughs> and rake. Yeah. yeah. How about you, man? What are your picks for the players of the week? So, so I brought four, two of whom are honorable mentions. Uh, my honorable mention in the AL is the much maligned Yankee shortstop, Didi Gregorius, who went who hit 455 last week with two homers and 10 RBI. It's not bad. And then I'm giving the award based on one day, although the rest of the week too. But on Saturday, Edwin Encarnacion hit three homers and drove in nine in a single game, which is absolutely incredible. 
But over the week, he was 391, six homers, 17 RBIs. 17 runs batted in a week is absolutely incredible, even if you take out the fact that nine of them are in a single game. Yeah, that's uh, how that's not a record, I'm not too sure. I got to yeah. look into that. I got to look into that. I actually, I actually went to a, to a, a Carlos Delgado nine RBI game at Yankee Stadium about seven years ago uh, when he was when he was playing with the Mets. I've, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, basically at that point, you you know your team is scoring about fifteen runs because oh, yeah. it means, you know, if a single if a single guy's driving in nine runs, it probably means the pitching's not very good. <laughs> yeah, you you could bet on that. And then in the National League, a guy we've mentioned several times tonight. Uh, well, actually, no, I'll give my honorable mention first. Uh, a little bit of homerism here. Michael Kadire, who hasn't impressed this year. Much maligned New Yorkers is the theme of my players of the week. <laughs> Michael Kadire at 579, two homers and seven RBIs, including a 1053 slugging percentage. Granted, not playing every single night because he's in a platoon situation, but you know, definitely got himself quite a few at-bats and you know, had a three extra base hit game against Philadelphia in the Mets absolute throttling of the Phils in Philly earlier this week, earlier this week. But my player of the week, and I said it last week, I can't avoid giving it to a guy who pitched no hitter, especially when that guy also went another seven, seven innings of no run baseball, Jake Arrieta, two and oh, zero earned 20 strikeouts. Why do you, why do you hate me? I'm sorry, Armando. Two weeks he just row? pitched so well. Um, it's okay. He deserves yeah. it. Yeah, he does. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to bash the Dodgers <laughs> yet. We'll see in the playoffs. Yeah, that, it's looking like we might be heading towards each other. So there might be a uh, a, a single se- single series preview of the seventh inning oh, stretch. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a lot of fun too, man. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, that yeah. comes to fruition. Yeah. Before we close out, anything else on your mind, or did we give the listeners what they wanted this week? I think we touched all the bases, man. I think uh, that was a lot of fun, man. Thank you for your time, and thanks for uh, doing this with me, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so I want to thank everybody for listening to us. Armando, until next week. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.